Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Should Look, Should Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Should look, should listen. Sure look, sure 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 listen. Oh, very good, very exciting, Benjamin. It's been a big week of pop culture, including you've seen Barbie and I haven't. But look, we'll get into that at another time because we've loads of things to look at, including the inexplicably terrible One Piece trailer, including the complete lack of shitstorm surrounding it for whatever reason. One of the best ever video game announcements with the new Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat it's called, and Invincible Season 2, look at all these voice actors. Then you've sent me a trailer for something which looks like something I would make up on the spot when I couldn't think of the name of something, Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, and a new trailer for The Marvels. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, and I think we might be up, up, up to our next, Michael, in content this week. What, what an amount of content to get through. Swimming in content, Ben. Swimming in content, Michael. But if that wasn't enough, Michael, you and I are strangely in line with our understanding of the video gaming franchise Twisted Metal, Michael. And oh, we, got, we got a new trailer 14 days ago. And in a very unfashionable podcasting move, we didn't cover it 14 days ago. So we're covering mm. it now and we're taking a deep dive on the lore of Twisted Metal. Yeah, we were, we were playing the long game, let's say. Yes, the long game, Michael. Somewhat like the recent trailer for One Piece that we got. It must be playing a long game, Michael. And the long game pays off in the end by not being shit. No, I'd say it's going to be shit, Ben. I think the main thing that's surprising about how shit this trailer is, is where is the absolute fan shitstorm? I... This is a good question. So One Piece is a massively popular anime, Michael, based on a massively popular manga. And one of the things, Michael, that I suppose jumped out to me immediately from this live action adaptation from Netflix is, where's the colour? Where's the where's the pizzazz? Why have they shot it in a weird muted sepia tone? What's, what's that about? This looks to me like everything that the fans of, what was that one called? Cowboy Bebop said was wrong about the Cowboy Bebop show, but without the budget. Yeah, and this time they've just taken the money away because they're like, well, we, well I'm not going to sink another fortune into another anime, so just do it the same and learn nothing from it, but I won't yeah. give you as much money. Yeah, and what do you think of these actors? They're the best we could find. Uh, those are some interesting choices, aren't they, Michael? The the performances there were were middling, to say the least. <laughs> Very strange. Very strange, Ben. Ben, I know nothing about One Piece other than it's about the boy pirate Luffy and his crew of pirates. Yeah, so it's it's based around the world of Monkey D. Luffy and uh, it's set in the world of the Grand Line, or rather they're aiming for the Grand Line, Michael, which is a line of islands where the, the famous pirate... Uh, I can't remember his name. It's, it escapes me. But anyway, there's a world-famous pirate. I think it was Jolly Roger. I'm not 100% sure. I think Nandor they may have changed Fodor. the name. Nandor Fodor. And he was executed by the Marine Corps of this world. And uh, he buried his treasure somewhere in the Grand Line. And it's created kind of a mass treasure hunt for his treasure. And Monkey D. Luffy wants to be the Pirate King, Michael, because the man who finds that treasure becomes the Pirate King. And on his way, he collects a merry band of misfits, Michael. He collects Nami, who's the navigator. That's the red-headed girl we saw in the trailer. Oh. Yeah, he, cor- he, co- he collects Zoro, the world's most famous and dangerous bounty hunter. He's got swords. 
Oh, like the character Zorro. Like the character Zorro, Michael. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Sanji, who's the chef. He's the one with the British accent for some reason. Hello, I'm British. Yes, he's British. And then I can't remember the names of the other characters. There is a small elk creature that can transform into three different types of elk. You heard that correctly. And he's called mm. Chopper. But I have no idea if he's in this. I didn't see a little elk creature anywhere. You're saying elk, not elf. Elk. Elk. Like the, the large, the, the large horned, horned creature. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Horned ruminant. Are, are elks ruminants? I don't know. One of our biology listeners will be able to tell us that. Ben, this looks dreadful. It looks so cheap and I don't know. I don't know. There's not even any controversy around this. Where's the controversy? Where's the outrage, Michael? <laughs> There's no race baiting controversy. There's no, like, this is woke gone mad controversy. There's no pandering controversy. There's no whitewashing controversy. Just no one cares. Nobody cares, Michael. What's going on? <laughs> Are One Piece fans secretly just the soundest of people? <laughs> is that why is there's it, no controversy? Is it just is when we've... <laughs> is it just <laughs> fucking ruined each other's bits there <laughs> I'm not even going to cut that out it's funny how badly we fucking stepped over each other there that was some fucking first day shit Benjamin are the one, is the One Piece fandom just so chill that they're like oh yeah it might be good it might be bad whatever we'll give it a watch I suppose <laughs> we can't really judge it before we've seen it guys come on a bit of composure yeah. uh, <laughs> Or is it a case of, oh, that's a slightly different race from how it's depicted in the comic books, but that's fine. There are lots of people in the world and it's probably a good thing to have diverse casting. Or whatever. I'm not going to get upset about it either way. It doesn't really matter. This is all fine. All fine. It's just another form of the franchise I love. What's not to love? Look at this fellow with his big stretchy arms. Monkey D. Luffy. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, very interesting. Some of the graphics fine. Some of the graphics, oh boy. Oh, graphics is an interesting term. That bloody shark, saber-toothed shark nose man. Oh, yeah. A that's classic. S- straight out of um, amateur <laughs> cosplay. Yeah. Prosthetics. It was weird. It was yeah. weird. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I don't know, Ben. I look, I don't have a lot to say about it. I think it, we'd have a lot more to say about it were there any controversy. But since there ain't, there isn't. Michael, if the world got along, there would be no podcasts. Oh, what would we even talk about? I suppose we talk about the reveal for the secret guest characters in the new Mortal Kombat, which is confusingly, thank you very much, is confusingly and annoyingly called Mortal Kombat. Yes, it's it's a little soft reboot, Michael. Have they not done that? Uh, Yeah, but you can do that as many times as you want now, Michael. It doesn't matter. So you do like Mortal Kombat 1 to 9... Yeah. Then you do Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah. And then you do Mortal Kombat again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Michael, we're only about 10 episodes away from another massive rebrand ourselves. <laughs> we just call it Sure Look, Sure Listen 1. Yeah, but I think we're just going to rebrand to Begora, just to really amp up the Irishness where we Begosh can. Begosh and Begora. We can play characters. I'll be John Begosh and you'll be <laughs> Samuel Begora. Oh, I very much like that. I'll be a Bekettian kind of guy who's always looking for a lot of depth in not-so-subtle and nuanced material. Very good. Very good, Benjamin. Speaking of depth in subtle and nuanced material, look at all these secret characters in Mortal Kombat. Michael, there's so many. (laughs) Oh, we're not. This is not... We're all over the place. This is just amateur hour. Ben, there's so many characters. Look at them all. Who's your favourite? Is it Omni-Man from Dublin's Northside? 
Oh, Omni Man, where you get the best bargains or I'll smash you. Is it John Peacekeeper from John Cena? Oh, yeah, John Peacekeeper. That's his name, definitely. That's <laughs> definitely his name. Or is it several of these Mortal Kombat characters, some of whom I recognise and some of whom I don't? Michael, my favourite character by far is Homer Lander. Homer uh, Lander, yeah. Yeah, off of off of the lads on oh, Amazon yeah. Prime. Very good. It's Homer mm. Lander, Ben, you absolute genius. Yes, very good. Aiming to just crank up the begarlinus just little by little until we do the grand reveal. Yeah, Everything's yeah, yeah. going to be green and orange. It'll be great. Um, ben, yeah, Michael, look, this will be interesting. I, I don't. Are, are Homelander and Omni Man just going to be reskins of each other? I, I think Omni Man is significantly more powerful than Homelander, is he not? Yeah, but with these crossover characters in, in the Mortal Kombat universe, I mean, they're going to be fighting John Rambo, who's a normal bloke. Yes, John Rambo's in this franchise. How many guest cameos are there now? Is Darth Vader in Mortal Kombat? I think Darth Vader did a Mortal Kombat. John Rambo did a Mortal Kombat. Robocop did a Mortal Kombat. The Terminator. I know Batman and Superman do it now as well. Well, Batman and Superman did a crossover with the Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. Joker did a Mortal Kombat, I think. Jason Voorhees, I think, did a Mortal Kombat. That's I think whole... maybe the Predator did a Mortal Kombat, and I mean the character of the Predator, not a sexual Predator. Although we don't know what the people working on Mortal Kombat are like. There might be one no, or two well, in there. well, apparently what they're really good at is doing deals across multimedia franchises. Apparently they absolutely smash it, Michael. How did they get DC and The Boys and Invincible all in one game. Not just in one game. You would have thought that they wouldn't want... I mean, unless they're all owned by the same parent company, company eventually. Maybe they I are. I think everything is. Everything is, isn't it? It's all Disney yeah. anyway. No matter what, they're lying to us and pretending who's really making it. Yeah, but it's all have Disney. Them all, to have them all in the same trailer is so weird. It's a very unnerving prospect, Michael, where you're just kind of like, oh, okay. I like that they reintroduce some of their own Mortal Kombat characters as if people would care. After Quan Chi. Yeah, I don't know if people care. The Quan Ermac. <laughs> Takeda. Ermac. Who is that, Michael? Ermac. Ermac is a secret purple ninja character who grew out of an urban legend from either Mortal Kombat 1 or Mortal Kombat 2 that there was a character created by a machine error. And he was a secret imaginary character called Error Machine, and the machine shortened it to Ermac. Very good. And as the Mortal Kombat creators do, every rumour that has ever happened in Mortal Kombat has ended up in the next game. It's a good idea. It's, it's a nice yeah, way yeah. to keep fans engaged. Exactly. Street good Fighter fan did it too with the character Shen Long. Shen Long? Mm. What was his deal? Shen Long was a mistranslation. Oh, very good. And in Street Fighter 2, Ryu, Ryu, in one of his endings fighting scenes, says, you'll never defeat Shen Long. And everyone's like, oh, who's Shen Long? And then they introduce him as a playable character in, like, Street Fighter 72 or whatever. Michael, here's a very important question for you. What? Do you ever think we're going to get a Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's inevitable. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Practically every other fighting game franchise has crossed over at this stage yes they've all done it they've all had a bit of what are you having yourself father yeah what are you having would you like a bit of namco in there would yeah you like a bit of street fighter cross tekken mm. would you like some snk versus capcom i probably wouldn't some... no you wouldn't you wouldn't enjoy it ben it was too complex for you what it's very about violent some... michael very violent always kicking and punching each other 
as my mother would say, very violent. I just don't like those violent things. Mm. Which is mm. why you loved Invincible Season 1. Yeah, Michael. Very violent cartoon. Dear God. Dear God. I'm just having flashbacks now to Michael to the crimson mist that settles on the filter of that particular show. Mm. It just sits well, there. Good news for you and your mother, Benjamin. Mm. It's coming back for a season two with oh, many voice deli- actors. She'll be delighted. Michael, it seemed to me that the trailer we watched was more about the voice actors than any kind of content on the show. Yeah, because you know why, Ben? Here's why. Because this is why. I'll tell you why, right? Go on, tell me why. Because when you're making an animated programme... Yeah. You've recorded those voice actors years in advance. So all of that voice acting is done. So the sag Afra strike isn't going to affect Invincible Season 2. So they're going like, put all the famous people in the trailer, get that fucking animation finished, and get it out there. I don't care how many Korean animators have to die. Get that animation out there right now. Michael, it seems to be that any time you want to become an animator, you must commit yourself to a life of suffering and never seeing those you love. Because one of the worst things that's happened, one of the best and worst things that's recently happened in cinema is across the Spider-Verse. But we found out more recently that the conditions the animators worked under to create that little kind of multimedia masterpiece of animation were horrific, apparently. Yeah, I, I don't know why anyone willingly becomes an animator. It seems to be some sort of modern indentured servitude. It it does. It seems like you just commit yourself to like animating a single character for 16 frames and then never see your family ever again. What do you love? Animation and suffering. Yeah, I mean, obviously, sadomasochistic animation would probably be the ideal field to go into, if that's the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you've obviously been strongly considering it based on your web browsing history, Ben, but that's neither here nor there because we're going to be having a look at Invincible Season 2 of the trailer. And guess who's in it? Uh, Stephen Yun. Stephen Yun's in it. J.K. Simmons is in it. J.K. Simmons is there. Yeah, um, that's really all I took from it. Chloe Gillian Bennett. Gillian Jacobs is there. Seth Rogen is in it as well. Gillian Jacobs, Ben. Gillian, Gillian, Gillian Jacobs. Jacobs. Her name's Gillian. This is the fourth time we've had this conversation on this podcast. I'm nothing if not consistently shit as a co-host, Margot. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. It's her fault. Why is it Gillian? Is she trying to be special? No, that's just her name. That's ah. the woman's name. That's the name of the woman who has that name. I don't believe her. I don't believe her. I don't believe Gillian a word Jacobs. coming out of her mouth, Michael. I, I don't think she believe seems her. quite pleasant, so I, I'd be will, I, I'd go along with her. I think she's probably a good enough egg. Gillian, if you want to be on the podcast to, to set me right, Gillian, to teach me a lesson about how to pronounce your name correctly, please get in touch with us. Although, if you're part of SAG-AFTRA or the WGA, you may not be allowed to do that. So I under- no, Actually, would. you would yeah. be allowed to do that. We won't yeah. talk about any of your important work, Gillian. You no. can just correct Gillian. me. Gillian. 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 See, this is why we need you on, Gillian. Yeah. This is why we need get you on. I just, I just won't learn until you rub my face in it. Just okay. come on the podcast, do a big poo, and then rub Ben's face in it. Ben, oh, God. Uh, that, that no, took a we couldn't, serious couldn't, turn. She couldn't do that. Oh, That's Jesus. specifically banned yes. by the strike terms. After <laughs> yeah. No shitting on podcasts. Ben. Yes. What the hell is Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose? Is this I based on a book? Michael. I don't know. I, this trailer popped up. And honestly, Michael, one of the top complaints that we have here 
very, very often on the podcast is that Hollywood doesn't take any risks anymore, Michael. Hollywood doesn't go for anything original anymore. Yep. Do you know what I haven't seen in ages, Michael, is a nice original piece of filmmaking. Well, fuck me, Michael. What is it? Fuck me, they taught me a lesson this week. Because this week, we got a trailer for Simon Pegg starring Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. The Talking what, sorry? The Talking Mongoose. Yes, yeah, uh, I thought you said, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, Talking Mongoose, Michael. And it's about, it's about a Hungarian parapsychologist, Michael. Oh yeah, Nandor Fodor. Yes, Nandor Fodor, who has spent his life as a cynic and kind of investigator of the paranormal and has found himself to be largely in a world without wonder. He's been disenchanted, Michael. Yes. He's been disenchanted, right? And then he gets an invitation to a mysterious little island. The Isle of Man, as it's The Isle of Man, a mysterious little island. This is in the 30s sometime, Michael. It's mysterious. It's the whole thing. Is it? Uh, the Isle of Man. And it turns out, Michael, that somewhere, somewhere yeah. on the island in a farmhouse with a family is a talking mongoose, Michael. But is there? But is there, Michael? Or is it just a methane-induced hallucination from a leak somewhere on the island? We'll never know. But, Michael, here's the bit that struck me. Is at the beginning it says, based on a true story. And, Michael, it is. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yes, it is. Nandor Fodor was a British-American parapsychologist and author of Hungarian origin. He was born in Hungary and he travelled the world tracking down unusual cases. This is a real thing. No, it isn't. Benjamin, we'd know if this was real. Huh? We'd know if this was real. It's, It's real. I'm looking at it right now, Michael. You can make up anything on the internet. Ben. Yes. So it's real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael, this has this has an all star cast as well. Like it's it's yeah. it's a it's a real thing. This has Simon Pegg, Minnie Driver, and Christopher Lloyd. Michael, Christopher Lloyd's in there. I know it's Doc off of the. Oh, we've got to get back to the future times. Yeah, what was that called again? Uh, oh, the, we've got to get back to the future times. That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah. The the boy who got stuck in the past. I think it was called the boy who got stuck in the past. And then we had uh, the voice of Neil Gaiman. He's there. Yeah, as the goose. Neil Neil Gaiman is a goose, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. Very strange. <laughs> and then um, some of the other things that we had were um, it just it's it's very it's a very cool looking trailer. It really very, is. Uh, yeah, very um, Enid Blyton mystery-esque, but with a weird sense of, is this just psychological goings-on? It's all, it's all spooky psychologicals going on. It looks like to be borrowing heavily, Michael, from the wonderful world of Knives Out. Yes, exactly, Benjamin. Benjamin there's some doggos in the background there. They yes, get all there's upset. a doggo in the background. Just give me one second. You spin your background. wheels. Talk more about no, the trailer, you fuck. No, no, you don't need to go. The humans, the, the listeners understand what dogs are. You don't have to go <laughs> yes. and shut up the dogs, Ben. Give me it's two crap. seconds. Grand. You don't have to tell the dog to shut up. The listeners have heard of dogs. They're not going to get upset. We're okay. not going to get people writing in saying, I was really enjoying that podcast, but then there was a dog. There was briefly a dog in the background. <laughs> chance would be a fine thing if we ever had anyone write in. Actually, that reminds us, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a chance and yeah. you're listening to us on any one yeah. of the podcasting platforms that you listen on, you could probably drop us a review. And then it, might, it wouldn't be such a shameful experience when we drop a little re- review request in the middle yeah, of an yeah. episode and you go, oh, oh, man, I forgot to do it. And now I feel so ashamed. Just go do it now. It's fine. Pause Just- us. Come back to us. 
Let the, let Ben go sort out the dog with, I assume, no violence. No, no, there'll be none. We'll, absolutely yeah. zero violence. Speaking, Ben, of things with absolutely zero violence. <laughs> um, the trailer for the Marvels was uh, on there the other day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that trailer there for the Marvels there on the other day there now, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. grand, wasn't it? Was it? Wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was mostly grand. Well, it was mostly grand. I mean, look... Michael, this is... Uh, I How negative am I allowed to be here? I hold no hope, Michael, for any Marvel project from this point on. I just don't yeah. think it's good stuff anymore. It's been rough going for a couple of years there, hasn't it? I, I Look, I don't even... It, this is this is inevitably going to drag us into that wonderful debate again of like, oh, do we just hate it because it's, you know, an all-female-led cast? No, no. It's just... It doesn't... It doesn't look that interesting. Like, the... The Marvels, I don't know if I care. I <laughs> I just don't know if I okay, care. Okay, it's got Brie Larson and two kind of characters from poorly received TV shows. Yeah, well, one of them wasn't poorly received, in fairness. Um, Monica Rambeau is great. And, is she? Well, she, maybe, maybe not great. Great is a strong word, uh, mm. Michael. But the Scarlet Witch TV show was very well received. Was it not? Was it? Wasn't it? The the first couple where they played around with the sitcom stuff, yes. But the second half, the back end of it is mostly derided for being silly and formulaic. And yeah, because they let it be a little. They let it be a little bloody laser show. They just yeah, yeah. It was a laser show, and then Scarlet Witch never got any comeuppance and became a baddie very quickly before the start of Masterpiece of Madness or whatever it was called. Very quickly. Yeah, I mean, other than those first couple of episodes where it was a sitcom. Yeah. It's not terribly fondly remembered. And that's the bit that had Monica in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, Monica Rambeau, the character of Monica Rambeau wasn't in any of the bits that people thought were good about um, WandaVision. Probably not. Probably Mm. not. Come here to me, Michael. Come here to me. We got a loose explanation of their powers. Yeah, they're From light Monica. powers. They're light powers. Was it all, Was that always the case? Was Captain Marvel a light power-based individual? Well, Captain, well, yes, pretty much. Captain Marvel... Well, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. Let's say Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Okay. Her power is energy manipulation. So energy absorption and lasers and whatnot. Yeah. And all energy is, not all energy is, but energy is electromagnetic radiation of which light is part of it. So, you know, I can go with that. Yeah. And then the second Captain Marvel, or the third Captain Marvel, the second female Captain Marvel, the Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. um, she is light. She's made of electromagnetic radiation. That's mad. In the comics, at least. Mm. So she is light. And then Miss Marvel, the third Miss Marvel, is an inhuman with stretchy limbs. But they, in the comics, spoilers for the comics, what's going on at the moment, they've had to kill her off to bring her back as a mutant with light powers. Yeah, they're not coming with the stretchy stuff anymore. We're not doing not that anymore. Not like, uh, we get rid of this whole inhuman with stretchy powers, we'll just kill her off and bring her back as a mutant like she is in the TV show. That'd be much more convenient for sales. I mean, for storytelling continuity. For storytelling, yeah. So, 
Really, no, there's no link between the three of them and their powers. The link between them is that they share a code name. Michael, I think one of the one of the it must have been difficult for <laughs> it, it must have been very, very, very difficult for Tayona Paris to deliver the line. I can see light. Yeah. What a way to reduce your power set to just a bit shit in the trailer. I I can see light. Yeah, we all can. That's, that's, that's how see it works. Light. That's what uh, seeing is, Monica. That's what seeing is, Monica Rambo. Uh, but yeah, oh man, look, it looks like a pretty. We've seen this before, though, Michael. We we've seen this before because Zoe Ashton is playing Darben, uh, and Darben is a is a, a two issue character from the comics, so it's a name and nothing else. And um, it's it, it, there's been a little bit of controversy around that, Michael. Because some people have gone, oh, Darben's a man in the comics, you can't just swap genders. Darben existed for two issues, Michael, and was then killed off. Absolutely fine. Give over. Be more One Piece fan. Yeah. (laughs) Be more One Piece fan. Get over it. Don't give a shit like a One Piece fan. Get over it. But Zoe Ashton looks to be playing, because he's an accuser. I would imagine, is this Ronan the Accuser's daughter? The Ronan Accuser's daughter? Is or is this? it just Ronan the Accuser because they killed off Ronan the Accuser and like, oh, I wish we hadn't killed off Ronan the Accuser. What if he came back but a woman? Yeah, we probably shouldn't have killed off one of our most massive Cree characters before we told mm. a bit more of this story. So Zoe Ashton is playing that, Michael. And then, uh, yeah, we're getting the the three marbles together. It looks to be a fun conceit at the very least, Michael, that they swap powers every time they use them. Yeah, that would be good, I suppose. I feel like that would make a better video game. Yeah. I I don't know, Ben. I, like, I'm no hater of Brie Larson. I think no. Brie Larson has a very good screen presence. This is a pro-Brie Larson podcast. Yeah, pro Brie Larson podcast, Benjamin. She's a very attractive person and she's good at acting and she can do a pull-up. Yeah. Um, but I just cannot see any reason that I would want to go to the cinema to see Brie Larson teaming up with two characters from moderately received TV series. I just, it's just, I just, it's 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 just, like what? Why would I want to go see that? It's like it's like if in like three years if they said, well, "How about we'll do you a TV series, right?" And in this TV series, it'll be Shang Chi and Nick Fury's wife from Secret Invasion and Miss Marvel's assistant boyfriend boy. Uh, from the Miss Marvel TV show. What about that? Would you like to see that in the cinema? And then I would say, no. No, I wouldn't like to see that in the cinema. Thank you very much. You can keep your C-list character and your two supporting TV characters to yourself. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need those in my life. Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of big screen extravaganza. Yes. Famously the plural of extravaganza. uh, You've seen Barbie. I have. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I have. I've gone to see Barbie, Michael. I've gone to see well, Barbie. Then, why don't you tell us? Is it any use? Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, good. Good podcast. Yeah. That's good it. Podcast. We're done now. We'll wrap, um, wrap no, up uh, there for next week. Uh, Michael, I tell you what, it, it's it's probably proof that marketing still works pretty damn good. Oh, this is an unprecedented success of marketing. Uh, because the cinema I went to, Michael, was packed. 
absolute jammers. And I'm I'm not talking, you know, a good few rows full. I'm talking to the ceiling jammers with people. Like everybody wanting to see uh Barbie. They they were they were in it to win it. <laughs> does, that, does that mean something? No, I don't think so. Um I think I I think I'm just struggling for a good analogy as to how busy it was. However, Michael, what I would say is I uh, this movie is rated 12A. Yes. And a lot of the people in the cinema I was in were children. So yes. a lot of mothers and fathers, mostly mothers, I'll be honest, given my cursory glance around the room, mm. were there to bring their kids to a Barbie movie in live action. And dear God, does this movie miss the mark as a kid's movie. Now, it's not a kid's movie. It's not anything supposed to be a kid's movie. But I'd say there's going to be a lot of kids brought to this film going huh what Ben were you there when we went to see Venom and someone brought toddlers yeah yeah was it like that oh it's 100% like that so uh, Michael in a a classic in a classic in a classic Sherlock Sherlock and podcast review I'm going to do a spoiler free review first oh and then we'll get into the nitty gritty with a few spoilers in the second bit right very good that's our usual format. So the premise of this is very, very simple, Michael. Uh, Barbie lives in Barbie land. Yes. And in this film, no spoilers at all, there is a firm distinction between Barbie land and the real world. Barbie, as a concept, understands that she is a toy that has an impact on the real world. Okay. So they're not two separate realities that are clueless of each other. Barbie very much understands that they are a toy and that they have an influence on the real world. Number two, the reason we see so many Barbies in this, Michael, is that every single career Barbie, astronaut Barbie, politician Barbie, lawyer Barbie, is an individual character within Barbieland. Oh, very good. Who plays Mermaid Barbie? Uh, it is Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa plays Mermaid Barbie. Very good. Uh, so Dua Lipa plays Mermaid Barbie. Now, Marco Robbie's Barbie is stereotypical Barbie. That's her name. Oh, very clever. Yeah, she is stereotypical Barbie. So she is the core concept of Barbie. And that's very, very important. She is the Barbie that was dreamt up by Ruth Handler. She's got a blonde hair and a pink outfit. She's got a blonde hair and a pink outfit, Michael. Now, Michael, this is aesthetically very solid. The the core kind of classic blockbuster film set stuff. It all looks very practical. There's very little special effects done to the Barbie world. It seems to be a constructed set and it works great for this. Fabulous. That's what we love to see. We love to see realism. We love to see a bit of realism in our movies about uh, sentient doll concepts. It's very important. Mm. So anyway, unfortunately, stereotypical Barbie has been having ceaseless thoughts of death. Oh, no. (laughs) That doesn't sound suitable for children. Now, that's a trademark of the film, and it's exposed in the first two minutes. So there's no spoiler there. And we saw it in the trailer as well. So there's no spoilers there. And it is essentially her trying to track down the reason that she has suddenly become self-aware and has an existential crisis and she has to track it down. Now, the central premise is that she is tied to a person in the real world that is causing this to happen to her. Oh, who is it? Is it Will Ferrell? No, so we're not going to go into any of that because that would be a spoiler, but that's the central premise of the thing. Now, meanwhile, Michael, 
Barbie land is set up as an absolute matriarchy. It is a it is a woman-centered, woman-focused thing. And there are many types of Kens, just like there are many types of Barbies. And the many types of Kens are just accessories. Oh, yeah, like Simu Liu. Yeah, Simu Liu is there. Ryan Gosling is there. And they go through it. And it is a little bit of a subplot involving the Kens. And both of the plots kind of come together at the end of the film. And in a spoiler-free review... I think they were going for comedy and they occasionally sacrifice comedy for making a point. And I think it costs oh, the film. It's a message film. Oh, now, Michael, so minor spoilers here. This is a big time message film. Oh, I love message. I love when films preach to me. To the point that I think it does damage to its watchability as a film and to the point where I think it loses a lot of its core audience. Oh no! Who's the core audience? We the core audience would be, I assume, those that played with Barbies, enjoyed Barbies, probably went to the Barbie film to see kind of a fun comedy around the concept of Barbie. Oh no! Oh no! So like Irish thirty-year-old women who are you know big-time partiers and they don't they don't care about politics or yeah. Anything like that. And they're going to go, let's go, girlos. Let's go see Barbie. And then they're going to sit there for a two and a half hour lecture on modern feminism. It's not going to make them happy. (laughs) That's fucking gas. Now, Michael, (laughs) as a... You probably loved it. As a film experience... Yeah. As a a person who is a fan of Greta Gerwig and enjoys her films, great Greta Gerwig film. Right up there with the classics. Get it up there. Fantastic. Yeah. Really, really good. A really excellent feminist primer for your audience. A fun way to explore the problems of patriarchy and uh, the issues oh, facing oh, feminism no. in our society in a fun way. It's it's very much, Michael, do you remember we talked about the big short on this before where Margot Robbie explains uh, subprime lending? Yes. Remember that yes, in the bathtub? Yes. It's like Greta Gerwig saw that and went, oh, I'll make a whole movie out of that, but I'll do it on oh. feminism. Oh. And it's... Very enjoyable. That's Very what enjoyable. The says. Not the best cohesive film. Ugh. Yeah. So, okay, we'll go. We'll go into spoilers from here because okay. I've, I've managed to avoid a lot of spoilers there. So we're going okay, into full spoilers here, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't want full spoilers, uh, move ahead. If you want to stay for this little bit, it'll be fun because I kind of out myself as an out-and-out sexist and misogynist. But the, the best thing about this film, Michael, is Ryan Gosling. Oh, the noted man, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> man, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling's Ken is one of the greatest comedic creations in the history of cinema. It is a oh, phenomenal character and he plays it to a T and I I think unfortunately the consensus ah oh, it's it's really unfortunate Margot Robbie does a fantastic job as Barbie but Margot Robbie is playing a very sincere version of a childhood concept come to life with full awareness and wants and desires and she mm. goes through that journey as an adult woman realizing that she has wants and desires and that's fine. She does an excellent job of that. It's really well portrayed on screen. Ryan Gosling gets to be Ken. Ken doesn't have a, a kind of a, 
an, arc. an internal awakening or an arc. He he has an arc. It would be unfair to say that he doesn't have an arc. So here's the interesting thing, right? I'll get into this with you. Okay. Are we spoilers Ken, or no spoilers here? Spoilers. Spoilers from this oh, point on. Oh, we're in spoilers. Okay. Spoilers from this point on. Barbie and Ken go to the real world. Yes. In Barbie land, Barbie is at the top of society because she's a woman in the matriarchy. When they go to the real world, Ken very quickly realizes that men rule the world. Oh, very good. Right? And he is delighted at this to the point where he's like, oh my God, I'm not a second class citizen here. And Ken has the realization that he doesn't have to be at the bottom of society. Now, it's not an evil, vindictive thing. And the really clever thing of this film is uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach have created a perfect analogy for the patriarchy in Barbie Land, but in inverse. They are showing the unfairness of patriarchy to its viewers by making it Ryan Gosling at the bottom of society not understanding what he's losing out on because they have a very gender exclusive society but in Barbie land it's for women in using that model they are able to show you the damaging effects of patriarchy inverted does that make sense it does make sense I I, I firmly I'm very skeptical but go on Ryan Gosling goes back to Barbie land with the lessons of patriarchy and he breaks their society by introducing patriarchy to the Kens and putting them on top of society. Oh, fabulous. But he does this in the best way ever. It's a joy to watch. And it's not vindictive. He's just showing them another way of doing it. And through that, we understand that Ken has gotten the raw end of the deal for decades since Barbie's creation. And it's a very interesting way at looking at sexism in society without trying to alienate your audience. However, it makes for a terrible Barbie film. <laughs> like, it's not <laughs> And fun. alienates its audience. It That alienates its audience. And we can see that. That's happening in reviews, Michael. A lot of influencers are going to this and coming out going, I just, I just didn't get it. Like, I don't... Like, it wasn't a very good Barbie film. Mm. And it isn't. It's not a very good Barbie film. You might have had a better time, Michael, making yes. this about a Barbie-esque character, like a, a, a stand-in for Barbie. You know, I don't know, the Mindy Cindy. doll or something. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you could have done a similar thing and made it a parody. You might have had more success then. I think because so many people are expecting a Barbie-heavy experience. And it's, in fairness, it pays off massively. The The character acting from some of the people is fantastic. Barbie Land itself is wonderful. The play on all the different Barbies that have been out over the decades is phenomenal. Like, it's a really well-made movie in parts that's very comedic and very well done. But it sacrifices that way too often to preach a certain message. Margot Robbie is in a very different film from everybody else. Oh, no. It's... It, Look, some people might disagree with me on that, but Barbie's entire arc is so serious. Stereotypical Barbie's arc is a very serious arc. Um, And the major spoiler is she ends up becoming a real woman. She leaves Barbiedom behind. She outgrows it and she becomes a real woman. Um, Is it about abandoning your childhood, Ben? It's not. It's about, I, I guess it's more about understanding that your childhood may not have prepared you for adulthood in the way you would have liked and the way that's done, Michael, is in tons of existential crises. There's a huge conversation about death and legacy uh, in the in the last quarter of the film. And I can only imagine that a lot of people were going home, talking to their children, and their children were going, "What? What? What did she mean? She's terrified of death." 
Yeah, am I scared of death, mummy? Should I be scared of death? And I would imagine that happened a lot, which is really yeah. funky. Like, it's a good film. It's an enjoyable film, but it's a Greta Gerwig film first and a Barbie film second. And that that that's that's not a Venn diagram. That's two separate circles. Benjamin, those toddlers that saw Venom 2 at the same time as us, they didn't go home scared of death. They went home scared of carnage. Which is fair enough. This is much worse because death is always there, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to the fictional character Carnage. Oh, it, like, a beautifully made film, some phenomenal performances in it. Um, it. It's a good film. It's not the film that I think Mattel is going to be happy with. Uh, it's Mattel not have a, seen it, though, Ben. I know. They haven't <laughs> not seen it. I think maybe they went off. I, I don't know. I, it's very interesting. I don't think... It's going to do... It doesn't have a cohesive feel to it. And I think it suffers from that on occasion. There are some lovely moments. Like, it's a fun arc. But as I said, Ryan Gosling steals the show. He's just given room to be comedic. Which I think is Mm. a bit of a disservice to Margot Robbie. Because Margot Robbie's a very funny actress. She's very capable of comedy. She doesn't get the same capability because she is forced to play it sincere. And she takes the role very seriously. Ryan Gosling has great crack. He's having the time of his life in this. Should have just made it a Ken film. It. So this is the second controversy. <laughs> it is a Ken film. Right, go on. It is, it is a but, Ken film. Ken's arc is far more important. Ken goes to the other side, realises he'd been mistreated his entire life, overcorrects by bringing patriarchy back to Barbie land, and Barbie is forced to confront the fact that she has mistreated Ken throughout her life. And mm. Ken goes through this wonderful arc of... Um, Understanding what patriarchy is and isn't, and understanding the damaging effect that patriarchy can have both on external society and women, but also on men themselves. Mm. It's it's Sounds fascinating. Mm. Sounds very preachy. Anyway. Yeah. What if cars had guns on them and they were having a big fight? Oh, yeah, Michael. So my favourite way to explore existential dread is through fire-breathing cars. Fucking Yeah, great. just have cars. Just get cars and stick a lot of cars on them. Ben, this is all in aid of... In, in honour of the Twisted Metal franchise. Yeah. Because Anthony Mackie, Ben, he's doing a big Twisted Metal. He is. He's doing a big old Twisted Metal. And uh, we saw the trailer for it there a minute ago. And I tell you what, my enthusiasm has been dampened by this trailer a little bit. Oh no, Michael. Has it pissed in your cornflakes? A little bit, because this is much more the postman than I thought it was going to be. Tell, tell me more about that now, Michael. What, what do you mean? Kevin Costner's The Postman. I've never seen it. Kevin Costner's The Postman is set in a post-apocalyptic world where um, society has broken down and there are small groups of survivors in isolated communities across North America. Right. And Kevin Costner hits upon the idea of becoming a courier. Oh, yeah. Between these communities. Yeah. And realises that, uh, you know, by going out into the wilderness and crossing the, the dangerous wild lands, he might be able to gradually bring a bit of civilization back to the world oh no you've uh, sorry you've mixed up 2023's trailer for twisted metal with some kind of kevin costner movie sorry very good the postman but anyway ben um yeah the the let's very briefly talk talk about why this trailer didn't inspire me a super huge amount yeah go on if you don't mind yeah no i'd I'd be happy to indulge that michael it's one very big thing yeah and the very big thing is what sets Twisted Metal, the franchise Twisted Metal, the PlayStation 1 franchise Twisted Metal, 
Yep. Place, in fact, PlayStation's longest-running exclusive franchise, Twisted Metal. Is this the longest-running exclusive? It's the longest-running exclusive franchise on the whole PlayStation. Get out of town. Would you believe? But Ben, what sets it apart from other vehicular combat games yeah. is, well, think about a vehicular combat game, Ben. Most of them are post-apocalyptic. Rocket not League. Necess- not necess- Rocket League's not a vehicular combat game. GTA. GTA is not a vehicular combat game, Ben. I've run out of examples. Okay, do you want some examples? Yeah, give me more. I'll give you some examples. Twisted Metal. Oh, yeah. Is that that PlayStation's longest-running franchise? No, PlayStation's longest-running exclusive franchise. Sorry, is that PlayStation's longest-running exclusive franchise? It is, would you believe. Um, Vigilante 8, Ben. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have no idea what that is. Vigilante 8 is a car combat game set in a kind of fictionalised science fiction 1970s. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, in like America's South. It's good. It's got like UFO vibes and like disco. Uh, that's cool. Uh, Carmageddon, Ben. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carmageddon. Post-apocalyptic. Everything's post-apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those post-apocalyptic vibes for the genre of vehicular combat come from one film in particular. Okay, Tell me. Do you know what film it is? Michael, now I know what film it is because you texted me that you watched it this week. But however... Yes. For the conceit, though, it's Death Race 2000. The Roger Corman 1978 film Death Race 2000, Ben. I had no idea. Get out of town. Have you never seen it? I've seen Death Race with Jason Statham. I don't think I've ever seen the original Death Race. Death Race with Jason Statham is the 2007 reimagining. Right. It might be later. It might be later. Um... But the original Roger Corman, Ben, it's funny that, um, it's funny because it's a real low budget thing. It's a, it's, it's one of my favourite genre, Ben. It's my favourite genre of, one of my favourite genres of cinema is America's fucking shit, isn't it? Yeah. And then the apocalypse happens. No, not necessarily. The apocalypse doesn't have to happen. It's just, here's a shit thing about American society. One of the kind of flagship movie series of the America's shit genre is The Purge. Yeah, America's just shit. America's shit, isn't it? Yeah, Like, it's not as shit as this fictionalised version we're portraying, but it's not far off. It's pretty shit. It's pretty shit. And (laughs) Death Race 2000 is that, basically. In Death Race 2000, Ben, America has gone to shit. Oh, yeah. And... What, you know what else is it's very similar to in the America is shit, shit genre? Go on. The Hunger Games. Oh, America's shit. America is shit, isn't it? Now, you can call it Pan Am, but it's America. We all know it. Yeah, we all know it. No, no and you in can't Death lie Race, to us. Can't lie to us, we know. In Death Race 2000, Benjamin, the president of America, Mr. President, who's the president for life. Oh. Um, and once a year, he holds a transcontinental road race. Okay. With five entrants, and each of the entrants enters in a car that's, like, themed around something to do with their personality or their style. Nice. So you have, for example, Frankenstein. Oh, good. And Frankenstein is, like, a half-man, half-machine, cybernetic badass who's won the last four races. Excellent. And then you have Calamity Jane, Ben, and she's a cowgirl. Oh. And she drives a car that has bullhorns on it. Oh, that's very thematic. Exactly. And then you have Machine Gun Joe, Ben, and he's a Chicago mobster. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's played by Sylvester Stallone. Get out of 
town. And he's in a pinstripe suit and he's got a tommy gun. So, well, what else would you be in if you were a 1930s gangster-style death racer? Exactly, Benjamin. And then you've got uh, Z- Nero the Hero, Ben. And he dies in the first 10 minutes, so he doesn't really get developed very much. But he was played by the guy from Karate Kid. And was there a bit of a Roman emperor? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. But it, like, it's it's not particularly well developed. Oh, um, okay. So it's uh, yeah, no, he he's killed off pretty quickly. But then they have my, the best character, Benjamin. They have the sexy Nazi lady. Oh, good. Yeah, she's a blonde lady, and she's in a car that's painted like a World War Two Nazi airplane with swastikas, oh. and she's a Nazi. Oh, I don't like that. But she's a sexy Nazi, so it's fine, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, Ben, they're having a road race across America oh, yeah. And you win the race by being first But you get points for killing people as you go Oh, very American Very American America's <laughs> shit, Ben It's like the America's purge shit. And everyone's like, don't be on the roads this weekend Because you might get killed by this sexy Nazi lady Oh, boy, oh, boy uh, So who's the main character of this? The main character is uh, Frankenstein Frankenstein, okay. David Carradine. Oh, yeah, we know David Carradine. One of your favourites, Ben. The same, kind of broadly the same character that Jason Statham plays in the in the 2007 remake. Very but good. The two movies share very little plot or DNA, really. Um, but, yes, so anyway, it's, it's a great film, Ben. You saw it. You did see it because you texted me and said, one of my favourite things about these 1970s exploitation films is lovely bit of tit in them. That that's that sounds like something I would send you automatically. That's that's what I sent you in the middle of the Barbie film, Michael. I said, I'm, "This really isn't for me." There's not enough uh, yeah. lovely bit of tit. There's not enough tit in this. Yes. I was really expecting more tit. I only want one. I don't even need a pair. <laughs> I don't know, Ben. Something about saying it in the singular makes it much more gross. Not oh, so much worse, Michael. I'm I want, I'm going to take a shower after this podcast. <laughs> Um, the 1978 film is surprisingly good like low budget but it's the originator pretty much of the car combat genre oh very good until 1995 yeah yeah there it is look it's up on the board there because that's when we got Twisted Metal yeah Twisted Metal was introduced Michael did you know that Twisted Metal is PlayStation's longest running exclusive franchise yeah yeah I did know that but Ben (laughs) what I was saying Yes. That what what this to, to circle back to where we were, um, from Death Race, um, great film by the way, great it, film, it surprisingly holds up. It's uh, it's real dumb and very it's sexist. Real dumb, it's real dumb and very sexist. But it's the kind of like straight, flat out, no guile, just balls to the wall satire that you would never get made anymore. Oh. You know, it's just so obvious in its satire. It's yeah. hilariously straightforward. But what was I saying? Yes, what disappointed me about um, the Twisted Metal trailer Go on. is what separates Twisted Metal, the game franchise, from all of these other post-apocalyptic car combat, society is degraded, isn't America shit, is its supernatural element. Yeah, voodoo. So, Twisted Metal is a heavily, heavily supernatural franchise. It's got demons in it and pacts and devils and divilment. And this seems to be replacing that with um, 
a woman with political power who can grant you a wish. Now, I'll be honest. This this is apparently Raven, who is a character in the later Twisted Metal franchises. Oh, very she's, good. She's yes. a goth character. But Michael, I reckon the twist might be the twist of Twisted Metal might be she is Calypso. Yeah, go on. Who's Calypso? So it's very important, Michael. In the in, in the previous one, America's present for life, isn't that what you said? Yeah, Mr. President. Yeah. Mr. President, El Presidente, but American. It mm. is. It is the man who organises that event. But in Twisted Metal, the Twisted Metal tournament is organised by Calypso, the mysterious man who sends you an email, Michael, that says, will you drive? Oh, I thought he was the ice cream. The tropical ice cream that comes in a tube. That's a Calypso. That's a Calypso. That's a Calypso. That's a very different franchise, Michael. That's called Twister. And it's about the ice pop wars. Um, It's Mm. a whole thing. So in this, Michael, Calypso is... Uh, the man who will offer you a chance to compete in the Twisted Metal tournament and it is a car Mm. combat tournament as you might have guessed gladiators but in cars yeah and in this you are fighting for the one big wish Michael oh could I make a big wish yeah so if you win the Twisted Metal tournament you go to Calypso and you say here come here to me I won give me my wish and he'll say oh be careful what you wish for because I'm a tricksy little devil boy and I'll make it a bloody barbed wish and you'll wish you hadn't wished it you nearly did a pretty good Calypso impression there oh did I was it close yeah yeah when you said oh ho, ho, be careful what you wish for I can't do it but um you nearly it did it by mistake. I did. It, I nearly did it by mistake. But Calypso is the the enigmatic supernatural force behind the Twisted Metal tournament, Michael, um, and has been since the early days of the franchise. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, in the early days of of Twisted Metal in 1995, it was just a fun kind of beat 'em up in your car kind of gig. That's that that was its whole point, Michael. Um, and yeah. then, so yeah. did you did you play one then? Uh, I have a vague memory of playing Twisted Metal, but I'm not 100% sure. So Twisted Metal 1 was pretty close to a launch title for PlayStation 1. It wasn't a launch title, I don't think, but it was close to. Right. And it was produced on a very low budget with a very short deadline. Oh, tight. Very, very tight deadline. And one of the things it doesn't have is end sequences. Oh, no. Which the later games became famous for. They did. In particular, Twisted Metal 2 has, like, end sequences that are remembered nearly 30 years later. Twisted Metal 1, it's almost worth looking at Twisted Metal 1 rather than as the original, as a proof of concept for the much better package and experience that is Twisted Metal 2. Yeah, so that came out a year later, Michael. So I suppose that that's only testament to what you were just saying there. You know, <laughs> 1995 is, okay, get this out so people know what's coming. And then in 1996, less than, like a year later, just being like, this is what it was supposed to be the first time. Yeah, or even like, oh, people like that stupid little car racing game you made. Do it better. Yeah. Right. Okay, we'll just add bits in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. More yeah, characters. That's better. More characters, more supernatural shit. A man who's between two big wheels and his arms are in the wheels. Yeah. Uh, what's his name again? Axel? Is that his Axel. name? Axel. Axel, yeah. yeah. Uh, so in 1998 then, three years later, we got Twisted Metal 3, which is pretty much kind of another expansion kit um, as we went along. Twisted Metal 4 came out in 1999. Mm. And then, Michael, we got Twisted Metal 5, except we didn't really call it Twisted Metal 5. We called it Twisted Metal Black. Hmm. And Twisted Metal Black is a real departure for the entire series because Twisted Metal Black is like, I suppose, the edgelord that comes to the family party. <laughs> I don't know. It's 
It's as dark as shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's a reason it's called Twisted Metal Black. Um yeah. as opposed to Twisted Metal 5. It's Calypso is a much more twisted kind of devil character. All of the characters have severe trauma in their backstories. You know, and nobody gets a happy ending in Twisted Metal Black. Mm. Uh, it's not happening for anybody in this particular case. So there there are a few new things, like the environment's got a big boost. The physics engine got a real boot up the hole. So these kinds of things were pretty good. There was the dark side power that was introduced. That was like a power up for your vehicle that you could push through. And then what really set it apart, I suppose, like you said, the end screens from the previous games were quite important and have become quite famous. But these brought in whole new elements of like trauma and violence and things like that. And every single character got a unique backstory, which is revealed through cutscenes uh, before and after the tournament. So if you played the story mode, you went through playing those. One of the most famous characters in the entire franchise, if not the most famous character, was Sweet Tooth. Um and he's a psychotic serial killer who is committed to an event, a mental asylum after a killing spree. He comes back from the dead a few times. He's a bit of a Jason character, you know, mm. and it's it's real twisted. And then we got Dollface as well. And she was a woman who couldn't remove a mask from her face after an accident. She's kind of a serial killer. And oh, it was very interesting, but very, very dark, Michael. Very um, dark, Ben. There, there are fabulous fan theories on Twisted Metal Black. I'm sure you've read about some of them. Yeah, but... Probably the biggest one, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling what you were about to say. That's all right. Is that the whole thing is actually happening in Sweet Tooth's head. Yeah, so that's one of the big ones is that, you know, this is all a delusion thought of by Sweet Tooth. Yeah, and Sweet Tooth and Calippo and Minion are all the same character, actually. They're three aspects of one madman. Yeah, so Minion is an interesting one. Minion, I suppose, is... he. Yeah, so Calypso and Minion get crossed over all the time and it's very hard to know where one character ends and the other character begins because Minion comes in... Is it Twisted Metal 2 where he's introduced? Yeah, I think it's 2, yeah. Yeah, and Minion is is kind of another little edgelord and I suppose he was one that we were kind of familiar with but he... He's mental as well. And then there was a few theories that Minion, it's all in Minion's head and then it became all in Sweet Tooth's head and so on and so forth. So some of the major characters that we've seen in it, Michael, are Mr. Grimm. He he appears as we go along. He's pretty much a Grim Reaper who rides a motorcycle. Um, he gets a bit of a voodoo backstory at some point. He gets a Jamaican accent every once in a while. Very strange. Yeah, is he, is he in two? Is he the one? He's one of the very few characters who, in his wish... He actually one-ups Calippo. Yeah, he wins. He actually wins. He wins. Yeah. He doesn't, is he the one who, like, when he meets Calippo on the roof, he's like, come here to me, you bloody saucy little tube of ice cream, you. And he gives him a big lick. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what he no, beats No, no, him. that's the other franchise. That's Sorry, that's yeah. Ice Pop Wars. Um, yeah. Is he the one who goes up on the roof and he's like, here, come here. Here's the souls of everyone who died in your stupid competition. And all the souls are like, ah! And they go and get Calippo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they drag him down to hell or whatever. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Gets one over him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, There's a few other characters, Michael. There's Outlaw, who's a police. uh, It's a police car driven throughout the series. uh, Often a member of the police force (laughs) who has entered the tournament. Um, Sometimes it's a character. Sometimes it's the car. It depends. There's Axel, the man who is a car. Mm. He's Axel in has a great ending. Uh, yeah, what what happens there? I can't even remember. Axel Axel's dad put him in the wheels. Oh, and in his ending, he like he wishes to confront the person who did this to him, 
And he goes and is like, you put me in this. Look at me, dad. My arms are wheels, you son of a bitch. And his dad's like, whatever. Get out of here. Get, roll, drive off. Roll on. Rock and roll, whatever. And he's like, nah, I'm sick of this. And he just rips his arms out of the wheels. Oh. And he's like, fuck you then. And he just goes off into a cornfield with two bloody stumps. What? Oh, that's, gross and horrible. That's mental. Yeah, it's mental. Twisted Metal 2 has some great endings. It's twisted. It is pure twisted. Absolutely um, twisted. But yeah, so this this does look like to be a bit of a sanitised version of where it's just a bit like Mad Max, but in... Well, Ben, while we're talking vehicular combat, I, I, I think you have some temerity and some cheek and some pair of cojones on you Go to on. say just a bit when referring to one of probably the best vehicular combat movie of all time, Mad Max. Especially Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, but I mean, it's... Yeah, okay, we'll go on. You know, there aren't many great vehicular combat movies, Ben. There aren't. There's the original Death Race. Yeah. There's Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And then there's bits of Jason Statham's 2007-ish video game simulator Death Race. Bits. Bits. It's bits. rubbish. That is Ian McShane in it, though. He's there, yeah. Yeah, he's playing the, the character of Ian McShane. Yeah, he's there. For whatever yeah. fucking weird reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, ah, uh, look, this is, I think it's going to be enjoyable. I thought it was, some of the, some of the casting choices are big. Like, um, Stephanie Beatrice is there off, uh, Beatrice, sorry, is there off of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She looks to be playing yep. a doll face-esque character who doesn't talk too much and is a bit of a, a lethal weapon. On the road, mm. um, yeah. uh, bloody what's her name? Uh, no, Nev Campbell. Neve Campbell. Nev Campbell. Neve Campbell. She's going to be the Calypso Raven character of the whole thing. Um, Anthony Mackie looks like he's having fun. Which character do you think he's going to be? Because he's got amnesia in this, apparently. Yeah, he's, he's called John Doe, isn't he? So he's yeah. just going to be, you know, put a put a Hollywood name in. Maybe he'll be Mr. Grimm at some point. Put Maybe. a normal fella in and yeah. then very gradually decide which canon character he's going to be. Benjamin, of course, the real bit of big casting is the the dual casting of Sweet Tooth. Yes, Sweet Tooth is two characters. So it's Samoan Joe as the body mm. and Will Arnett as the voice. Gas, gas bit of casting. Yeah, gas. Thomas Hayden Church is in there as a police officer. Be- He's, a, he's some sort of outlaw type character. Yes, we've last seen him, Michael, on, on, in Spider-Man's as the Sandman. Yeah, yeah, it's the last time I remember seeing Thomas Hayden yeah. Church. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in that trailer. Look, we'll watch it, Michael. We'll, it's not like there's anything else coming out soon. So we, no, we'll have to watch it. Um, you and I are going to have a big... Eth- we're going to have to have a big ethical discussion, Michael, about what kind of content we're going to put out in the future. Oh. We're just going to make our own TV shows. Yeah, they're not SAG members. We're not SAG members, it's true. But we never, then we'll never win a BAFTA. I don't want to win a BAFTA. We won't even win an IFTA. Oh, fucking hell. We're never going to get Catherine Thomas to give us an award. I don't know who Catherine Thomas is, which speaks more to either. what we're talking about than yeah, anything yeah. else. But ladies and gentlemen, that- ladies and gentlemen, what was your favourite series on the PlayStation back when it came out? No, um, that's not the question. What was your favourite Twisted Metal and why was it Twisted Metal 2 the best one uh, yeah why was Twisted Metal 2 the best one get in touch with us um, you can get in touch with us in a few different ways ladies and gentlemen you can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabuk.com s-e-o-m-r-a-b-e-a-g dot com it means tiny room in Irish 
It does indeed. You can find us on Instagram at Shiluxlisten Podcast. It means Shiluxlisten, but in English this time. You can find us on YouTube at Shiluxlisten Podcast. Yep. Well, that's a new one. Ben's uh, just throwing wild cards at me here. And you can find us on TikTok at Shiluxlisten. Okay. Yeah, we're all over the place. All, all over, the, over place. the place. Like a bad smell. Can't get rid of us. Oh. Oh. Oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, in two weeks' time, uh, you can actually meet Michael and myself in person. We'll be at Dublin Comic Con. Three weeks' time? Two weeks' time? Is that two weeks' time? Is it two weeks' time? Soon, Today's it? the 23rd. Oh, holy moly. One, two, no, it's three. It's three weeks. Oh, in three, three weeks' time, weeks. you will be able to get in touch with myself and Michael. We will be at Dublin Comic Con conducting our usual interviews. If, by any chance, you're listening to this and you fancy being interviewed, if you've gotten all the way to the end of the episode, if you're a cosplayer or a content creator and you're over there at Dublin Comic Con in August, do come and find us and get in touch. Yeah, especially if you're dressed as a character from the Twisted Metal franchise. That'd be great. We'd love to see you. That would be fabulous. Very good. See you then. Vroom. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, 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 but demon.